Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. During the 1980s, there was a revolution in canal fishing. In the southern half of the country, canal matches were dominated by two baits, bread punch and caster. Then a group of anglers from the Milton Keynes area started taking the canal apart using squats, the maggots of the humble housefly. The top team were Black Horse, and the main man was Mark Pollard, who I'm delighted to have on board the strange boat. Hello, mate, how are you doing? All right, Keith, how are you? I'm good, yeah, pretty good, yeah. considering all things all things being equal. When, when I mean, I've known you for a long time, and we fished together, obviously against each other, but together, if you know what I mean. Yeah. When did you first start fishing? God, I first started fishing. My dad used to take us all weathers uh, to Eaton Ford on the Ouse at St Neots there, and uh, I'd probably be five years old, and we used to tie mm. a piece of line to the end of the rod because we weren't allowed to use a reel. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that, that's a good way to start the old Huckleberry Finn method, as I call it. Well, definitely, yeah, definitely. And yeah. we caught fish. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you'd, that would be with your brother, would it? Yeah, there was me, me, Chris, my dad, and we used to meet a guy called Ken Thomas. He was a real funny guy. Um, he was probably my dad's best mate then. And uh, we could do what we want, me and Chris. We used to like fires in the wood cook jacket potatoes didn't wrap them in anything just put them in covered in ashes because <laughs> uh, it was winter time fishing um yeah it should be a great laugh being in the outdoors not like the youngsters now playing games in the bedrooms <laughs> no that's right it, it it was different you're talking about the the ooze in that area that was a brilliant winter fishery at the power station at oh. uh, at eaton soaking didn't you and, and, and some right. brilliant fishing Keith, it was fantastic. You would have snow on the ground. Um, and what used to happen then, uh, all them years ago, the river used to flow a bit harder, hold the colour, and the fishing was fantastic. There'd be steam coming off the water at the weekend because of the power station. Yeah. And you would catch Gustas or Silver Bream, um, same depth you'd be fishing for bleak, and... Oh, it used to be fantastic. You used to get bites all through the winter. Yeah. 
I remember the going there even and catching tench in the middle of winter. Yes, yeah, because the water used to be warmer due to the power station. And obviously yeah. the further away you got, the, the harder the fishing came because the water started to get colder. I remember my, one of my old pals, Billy Harris, no longer with us, sadly. We, we went to um, the power station there at Soak, and he walked across the bridge and the steam coming off the river condensed oh. onto his hair and his eyebrows. When he got off the <laughs> other side, he was covered in frost. Yeah, incredible. To see that steam coming off the water, just, well, you don't see it now. No. The only t- the t- time you see steam coming off the water is as we start to go into the winter, we get the first frosts in the morning, you, you see it coming off the water then, but not, not like then, Keith, that was unreal. Exactly, exactly. And, and the power station used to hold some fantastic tench and yeah. carp. Unbelievable. Like they all did, you know, just up the road from me, we had Canberra Gardens, and, and although it, that, that switched off, that stopped pumping heat out in the, the sort of 60s, it was still a hotbed, there was sunning on the Thames, there were loads of power stations, yeah. and of course it made the Trent famous, but but that was that was how you started. What yeah. actually got you into match fishing? Well, um, we were fishing Eaton Ford, and they had their annual Christmas match, and it would be at Eaton Ford on use, and my dad said, oh, I fancy that. So we fished it, and then there was only four or five juniors, and you would have a senior would be the seniors would be even numbers, and the juniors would be odd numbers. So you had a senior either side of you. And so we fished at Eaton Ford. I remember this Christmas match, and I was using a reel then, and I was catching Danny Ruff, Perch, and Odd Roach, and I think I had two pound fourteen, and I was third in the match. And I got a bit of a buzz from it. And then my dad said, oh, we'll start to take me and my brother um, to the Luton Club matches. And um, he ended up running uh, the matches. He was match secretary along with Bob Irving. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd probably be 11 years old, started fishing the junior matches as well. Um, and then winning the junior championship um, and then moving up into the senior ranks and winning the senior championships as a junior. Uh, it's fantastic. It was canal and a little bit of river. Um, That's great fishing, but no poles. It no. was all running line. I say the first person that I knew of pole fishing as I started to read some magazines was Ray Mumford. And that's with a crook on the end of a pole fishing. And I thought, oh, I can't get into that. Yeah, just, but it was all running line. Yeah, and then yeah. leading on from uh, because fishing canals, poles started to come out, and then started getting to pole fishing, and then from winning the the senior um, championship, and then also Black Horse had been formed. I couldn't drive, and I was friendly with Mark Bird and Paul Coombs, and uh, Paul used to take me because Mark Bird couldn't drive either, and uh, we started fishing. We was the uh, the Black Horse match group and we fished the Luton and District League and I think we won that as a team um, and then as I started to drive I got into fishing opens and we started fishing the open circuit and we become image black horse and then we started fishing team matches and open matches all sort of up and down the country and we was going to venues fishing squats um, or the northerns used to call them feeders 
Yeah, I, I remember. Now, now, just just going back to the Black Horse, is that the Black Horse pub that's opposite sort of Great Linford Lakes, that one? Yes, that is where they used to have the meetings and where the team originated from. Yeah. Because it was originally Colin Colbeck who started the team. Um, and then I was a junior coming on board. In fact, Colin um, got the team going not to fish canals, but because we'd done so well on canals, that's where we drifted on to more. And then Colin sort of left the team because, to be fair, he, he couldn't make the team. He got the anglers together that were better than him at doing things he couldn't do. And he was, yeah, he just left the team and then yeah. we carried on. It, it was, yeah, was great. You were all, you all seemed to be of an age. You were all sort of the, the same age group. You had a, a yes, lot of. Yeah. Um, a lot of features that you shared like, with regard to your, your techniques and your styles, and, and it looked like you grew together and evolved as a team. Yeah. I mean, I remember coming down to Lady Cables, and they didn't fish squats there, and I remember drawing Gudgeon Alley, as they called it, and uh, I had, I think, 8.15, but I had a lot of Gudgeon, but I had quite a few roach. And I remember Billy Allen, do you remember him, Keith? Oh, my best mate. Oh, well, he come up to me. He said, how are you caught all them, boy? I saw on squats, and he seemed, squats? Yeah, he, he just seemed a little bit baffled. That, but it was the way we used to feed the squat. I mean, them days, we were feeding maybe two, two and a half pints of squats and just getting the fish going berserk for that small bait. And if you fed maggots, casters, um, it just wasn't the same, or pinkies. You could put pinky on the hook, but that, that fish were just addicted to squat, and it was something new that was happening. We went up to the Aylesbury Arm, and uh, they never fished squats on there, and we won the Aylesbury Arm Championship, and we all caught between six and eight pounds, which is unheard of. A roach, gudgeon perch. It was incredible, absolutely incredible. See, that, that's the thing. I, I mentioned at, at the intro that the go-to baits, especially in the winter, on canals or once, I mean, let's face it, people like me only went on the canals when the rivers were in flood right, and, yeah. until, you know, we actually got really into them and started fishing the canal circuit more. But when we talk yeah. about uh, bread punch and caster, they're very um, selective. Bread punch tends to pick out smaller fish and only roach and yeah. caster tends to pick out bigger fish of, of, of all species, but predominantly roach, because that was what seemed to be mainly in the canal in those days. But when you, you, you went to squat, when you fished squat, it was a catch-all. You caught everything that swam from the tiniest of little roach, even minnows and, and little gudgeon, right yeah. up to like the roach we used to catch on, the caster anglers used to catch on caster. But you caught them earlier in the match, whereas we'd fish so yeah. as long as we could catch fish on the punch for We'd fish yeah. on the punch, and if we were still catching in the last hour, we'd then try the caster. But if the if the punch stopped producing after two hours, because it was a fairly close-in method, we'd then go over to the far bank and, and fish where we'd been yeah. clipping our two or three casters. But if yeah. we used a pint of breadcrumb and half a pint of casters, we'd have emptied the canal because we'd have caught so many fish with that amount of bait. Yeah. But you say using yeah. two and a half pints of squats on a canal that yeah. doesn't move, all right, gets the wash from boats. But yeah. that bait isn't being taken away. And, and I guess what you were trying to do was get the fish while the bait was falling through the water, were you? Yeah, because once the squats hit the deck, I used to think they're dead. Because yeah. fish don't feed upside down on the bottom. Bream shoals maybe and that. But even bream are up in the water just picking the bait. Yeah. Um, I remember the, when we started fishing the London circuit, because I think that was just on the matches they lifted. It used to be a, a size limit. 
Yes. For roach goers and that. And that's why the old London anglers, it was caster. And when it became colder, it was punch. Yeah. And they always caught the better fish. And like you've just said, with the squats, you caught everything. I I remember fishing the hole in the wall and drawing the pegs um, to the right of the hole in the fence. That's why they call it hole in the wall, where the bream were. But I was off of the bream. I fished caster, and I had four or five skimmers up to about a pound. And it was no good. I'd been loose feeding squat, loose feeding squat. And I went on my squat, and I was catching two, two and a half pound bream on double squat. (laughs) I put a caster on, and I couldn't get a bite. It's unbelievable. And think weighing 20, 30 pound, and everyone thought, oh, you've caught them on caster or chopped down. As you said, the bait, the squat was something new. It was something the fish hadn't seen. Yeah. They get a bit wary of baits they're caught on. We all know that. And yeah. and, and when you come with, with something new and, and, and squats, were, if you can imagine anybody that, that doesn't know what a squat is, you know what a house fly is. They're the things that buzz around the light in your kitchen in the summer that drive yeah. you mad um, <laughs> until you get rid of them. But their, their maggot is long. It, it's, it's longer uh, for its thickness than most other maggots. It's the only maggot, I think I'm right in saying, that's um, bred in the dry, that floats when it's dry. The others, ordinary housefly maggots and pink, ordinary sort of blue bottle maggots, the commercial maggots we call yeah. them, and pinky maggots with a maggot of the green bottle, they, flo- yeah. they float when they're wet. But squats yeah. float when they're dry. So you have to keep them. It's foundry sand they come in, isn't it? It's that very so fine. they foundry sand to keep, to make them sink. It used to keep any oil or anything off of them. Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. And and if you're feeding two and a half pints, I mean, they reckon there's 3,000. I think Ivan Marks once said he counted them, and there were 3,000 maggots in a pint. So there's probably 8,000 squats. I'll go to the fridge. If you've got time, I'll go to the fridge and get a pint, and I'll count them while we're talking. Okay, now. yeah, we've got plenty of time. Yeah. That'd be all right. We'll <laughs> finish I'll, tomorrow about midday. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, uh, uh, just, just to break off and, ha- and have a humorous interlude, you know Clint Elliott down at Whiteacres, didn't you? Yeah, very well, yeah. I went into the, the shop there one day and I wanted some pellet bands. And he said, these are the best ones, these gardener tackle ones. You've probably seen them. They come in a plastic tube. And, yeah. and he put them on the counter. He picked them up, shook them. He said, he said, I think that one's short, mate. I don't think there's 100 in there. I said, I don't know. It looks like it. He said, well, we'll just check them. So I've tipped no. them on the counter. And when I got to about 90, I could see them all standing in the corner laughing at me. And it was like the sort of trick that you'd do to people. He'd wound me up to get me to count these bloody things on the counter, um, <laughs> just as, as a wind-up. And there were actually 132 yeah. in there, but that, that's a different right. story. But, but that's, you're, you're a bit you of a wind-up merchant in your own right, aren't you? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Can't beat a laugh, Keith. You know, you, <laughs> no, I know. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've, been, um, I've been on the end of it a couple of times, but even more humorously, I've been on it when you've been doing it to other people. And, and you know, Bob Nubb was a bit of a target of yours a couple of times, wasn't he? Oh, brilliant. We fished the Gloucester Canal. We had drawn, you only caught fish on the bend and just out, and then as blanks. There was like 40, 50 angles in a row blanking. And me and Bob weren't catching. And Bob said, shall we take a walk up and see him catching? I said, yeah, all right, Bob. So I took a walk with him watching. I thought, oh, this is, this is, I found it boring because it was just people sitting on the tip and there was a few people catching on the pole doing nothing special. Just the fish were there. I thought, well, I'll go back and try and catch a fish. Just try and win the section, get a perch. Bloodman Joker was allowed. Bob didn't come back. So I walked off anyway. As I was going past Bob's kitless next to me, I thought, I know what to do. I think I put a number eight shot on all his rigs. <laughs> so I fished away, not a bite, not a bite. As Bob come up, any good, mate? I said, I thought I had a bite, Bob. 
So obviously he's picked one rig up, put a blood one, gone out, lowered it in because it's carried on going. Mark, yeah, oh, I've missed one. I've just missed one. I think, oh, God. And they get, I think it's a little perch. A little, and then the next strike, like, I'm started laughing. It goes, you, what you done? What you done? I told him. <laughs> he goes, you be. <laughs> it was his face. That, oh, yeah, they're there. They're there. <laughs> yeah. We're both blanked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I once did a similar sort of thing in reverse to Steve Gardner on the way in Ave. You know what a dump that can be in the winter sometimes oh. when you're not on the roach. And, and we yeah. were off the roach. The roach were about 10 pegs to our left. And yeah. um, I, I'd got right down to the double joker time down the middle of the track. I tried everything else and, and I thought, I know what I'll do. So I've, I've run the float through and it's because the way navigation is a flowing canal. It's got part of the river way running through it, as you know. So the float went under and the float didn't go under. I stuck, I went, oh, damn it. And, and Steve's looked around, you know what he's like? He's, he's, he's got his eyes everywhere and he, when, it's, when it's hard, he wants to see what's going on. When it's not hard, he wants to see what's going on and whatever <laughs> else he's doing. So a couple of cars like, I've done the same thing. And he's looked again. So the third time, and I, I don't believe this. I said, you getting any bites? He said, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. He, he said, you are, don't you? I said, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. And of course, he's renewed his effort. And by this time, I'm now bored. So I've taken the top <laughs> kit off my pole, laid it down in the edge. And I'm sitting there rubbing my hands, trying to get warm because it's freezing yeah. cold. And the elastic came out of my pole. The three-ounce oh, perch will run the section. <laughs> I said, I told you I was getting bites, Steve, didn't I? And, uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that, that was uh, a, a happy day. One of not many happy days on the way now. But anyway, go, going back to, to the image and, and, and the image Black Horse, and 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 because Image was a tackle company, that yes. Black Horse were responsible basically for, for running for, for, for designing the tackle. Was it yeah. did Black? Did Image come out of Black Horse, or did Image Tackle go to? Go to Black Horse. No. Image really probably come from Black Horse because Mark Bird was making floats at home. I was making floats at home um, and was fishing. I was making a, a name for myself on the canal. And obviously people were looking at what we were using. Um, and as a team, we were doing fantastic. And we used to have regular meetings. Yeah. And these are the floats we're using. And Mark was saying, I'm making these now. They're brilliant. It was sort of... Um, it followed on from Billy Makin who came out with Canal Greys. Yeah. But he made some more specialised, real, with adapters and uh, like a niche market. And um, we started making them at home and people wanted to buy them off, your, off the bank. And Barry Cowley said, why don't we start up a company? Well, unknown to me, Mark Bird and Rob Hewison were involved with Barry making these floats and they hadn't told me anything they were doing. And then they come to the uh, team to a meeting saying, we're starting to have a company. This is what we're doing. So we'll supply you everything you want free of charge, floats, adapters, float tubes, and we're going to do some rods. And it was at a time a guy had come to me. He wanted to make floats with my name on for the canal. And I'd said to Mark and Rob about it. And Mark said, oh, um, we need a word with you. We're going to start up a company. Why don't you come as an equal partner in with us? And then we started up the company. And the team promoted the products, and we went from there. And it, the, the company just took off so well. Um, we were just probably led wrong, really. Um, else, the company would probably still be going now. But it was fantastic. We had some great products. I mean, th- those floats—they're they're now collectors' items. I saw some yeah. somebody showing off that they had a couple on 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 Facebook the other day. That the blue ones with the orange tips and a little peg in the bottom to put your adapter on. And I mean, yeah. I. I 
I'll be honest, I never got on with them. I always preferred using peacock quill and pheasant quill. I, I, you know, the balsa wasn't for yeah. me. I couldn't, probably not good enough anger. I couldn't get it to fly properly. And I could read the bites okay. But yeah. for me, the, the peacock, a little bit of peacock with a pheasant insert, pheasant tail insert worked yeah. a little bit better for me. Yeah. But, but many anglers came on board with A, the canal grey, and, and, yeah. and B, the, the, the image blues. And yeah. Yeah. You, you fished mostly. Little rods, didn't you? It, rather than fishing yeah, poles as, as everybody else did, you were fishing little rods. And 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 when you think about it, and and I know, you know, I'm I'm predominantly a wagger. I'm, I'm known more for being a stick float and a wagger angler than I'm a pole angler. And yeah. in my mind, there is absolutely no doubt that you are quicker catching fish on a waggler than you are on a pole where you've got to take sections apart. Keith, I'll tell you now, we fish the drains at uh, Benick, the old name, and I never ever thought that unshipping small fish would be slower than a waggler. But it's not that it's slower than a waggler. You also you haven't got the pole over the top of them with a waggler. Yep. You get better fish. It's unbelievable yep. how a waggler is so quicker. It's, 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 it, I've done time trials, and I can double – the amount of fish I catch in 10 minutes on a waggler than I do on a pole, and you think you're catching well on the pole. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've no doubt you're right. And, and the other thing is as well, when you fish, fishing on the drop with a pole float that's connected top and bottom on your line is nowhere near as good at identifying bites until it's in the bottom foot of water yeah, than, a than a waggler is because yeah. you've only got the little bristle as a sight indicator on a pole float, whereas the, yeah. the body... If, if you're holding up a number 10, even a number eight on a body of a, a half a gram pole float, you're not going to notice it. Yeah. And the one, the most important thing I've found for all my angling with pole fishing and with a waggler, and it works on the pole, is when you cast a waggler, your baits, the furthest away from you, falling towards you, pulling towards you. Yep. On a pole, 99% of anglers lay it to the right or to the left, going upstream or downstream. And drag it so it's falling an opposite way. Yeah. And you get more bites falling the other way towards you. Whether the fish associate that that's safe or safer than it falling that way, I don't know. But you get far more bites, even on the pole if you're on, especially when I go out in Ireland, when you swing it away from you and put it to a tight line, it falls. You can't get a bite laying it left and right. Lay it, flick it away from you so it's falling in towards you. You get a bite every time. It's incredible. That's amazing. I'd, I'd love to know why. And yeah. I can show you, go out and show you, think, that's unreal. Yeah. I go, because I do coaching and that, and I go to these guys and I'm showing these different things. I say, that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. That's worth the money already. But it, it's my knowledge I'm just giving them and what I've experienced myself. It's, it's, you can go out of a pole on the drains, flick it away from you, Falling down, you get more bites nine out of ten than going right or left. That's amazing, and that's how the waggler lands, yeah. and it falls at you. I'd love to know why. You've mentioned March and the fen drains, and, and, and yeah. I'll, I'll go on to them in a, in a few seconds, but for, oh, a few minutes because there's no such thing as a second when me and you start talking, is there? <laughs> <laughs> um, what happened when? I mean, the canal circuit sort most of the country sort of died. 
didn't it? In, in the mid-1990s when Sunday trading came in and, and, and not so many people went fishing on a Sunday or played rugby or golf or cricket or football or anything else on a Sunday because they were dragged yeah. to the shops. Um, yeah. and, and we also lost a lot of parking on canals when you, yeah. you couldn't, pay, couldn't park in home base or Tesco's car park anymore because it was full of customers. So what, then, then the commercial fisheries came along. What happened to, to, to the Black Horse boys then? Well, um, to be fair, they sort of we sort of disbanded. I would have, have said um, the team carried on because there were still some canal matches. Northampton, I mean Milton Keynes. It was amazing. All of a sudden, come the start of the season, because obviously the canals were closed as the close season. The rivers were, um, and the canals are open all the, all year through now. But I come to book on a match at Pear Tree Bridge. He'd got five on it. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. it. It just suddenly dropped. And I think it was probably the safety of commercials. Um, youngsters could go there. It was safe. You can park behind your pegs. And there were shops on these commercials. So it was easy, just easy for people. You could get your bait on a Saturday at the venue. And there were matches every week on these commercials starting up. Whereas before, as you know, Keith, when to fish a match of the weekend, you had to be part of a team. Oh, yeah. And team fishing then just started to drop away. Although there's areas and it's, it's coming back, they, but it's, it's not like it was then. There's more individual fishing. You don't have to be part of a team to, to have a full calendar. No, no. Because the other thing as well that, that must have had an impact, when you go on commercial, you, you fish a canal, and, and all right, you mostly fished a waggler, so your pole setup was different, but most anglers were fishing poles on the canals. And, and when you were on a commercial fishery, it was no good using the elastic you needed to catch a, a roach that was going to be a maximum of eight ounces or a bream that was going to be a maximum of a pound and a half. When you're in, yeah. even if you're encountering carp of only a pound, you've got yeah. to beef your tackle up. Yeah. So yeah. It, it came to the time, I guess, when you needed two different lots of tackle to yeah. fish on the canal or the river yeah. and, and, and commercial yeah. fisheries because the tackle used on one was no good for the other. You don't want a, 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 a sort of a, a pole that's going to handle a carp when you're fishing for gudgeon or, or, or three-ounce roach. That's right. And I think the most important thing was the anglers that were starting fishing and coming out by fishing commercials. You try and tell them to walk half a mile with your kit, yeah. <laughs> a bit river or canal, to catch a pound and a half, two pound of fish, yeah. where they can catch that in one fish on the commercial. I think the anglers become spoiled. I don't want to fish a canal. Why do I want to fish a canal for a few ounces, little fish? I can go on a commercial and catch 20 pound of roach as well. You wouldn't do that on the canal. Very hard. But but now when you think, and you say that there might be a little bit of a return to the natural venues, when you look at some of the more popular match venues, places like, for example, um, Boddington, you, you go yeah. in there and, and sometimes you're looking for five or six pools in five hours. Yeah. And and that's not a lot of fishing, is it? Oh, you, every no, fish you not. catch is eight to 10 pound or 12 pound or 20 pound, but it's still not a great deal of fishing. Whereas you go on a canal and, and in some time, some cases you're looking for five pools a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we were a lot, lot busier, uh, canal drain fishing, river fishing, yeah. um, through the winter, um, the most, 
on commercials, although commercials are so heavily stocked with fish, you can't fail to catch fish or fail look fish through the winter. Um, but it, 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 the surge I see now with feeder fishing, go back five, six years, has really brought anglers for because they're going feeder fishing to venues. It, it might be a feeder only match. Well, I've just come back from Loch Ken, first time I've been up there. Oh, yeah. Fantastic fishery, Keith. Unbelievable. It's a very long lock. It's just like being in Ireland, but you've got feeder and pole fish. First time I've ever caught dace out of a lock. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. I, I, I saw um, Martin Green, my old pal, who, who, yeah. who now works for Diver, of course. I, I saw some of his catches. He said he had, you know, catching roach and dace on the whip and then on the pole yeah. and getting pike trouble. He had a 30-pound pike. He said it was over 30 pounds taking fish off his hook. And that's some kind of fishing, that is. Oh, there's some pike up there. Unbelievable. But, but so so – when when the commercials came along, suddenly, and, and this crept up on me, were, were the old Neen at March and then the associated fen drains. Now, I've got yeah. to be honest with you, I could never get on with March. I, I, I couldn't draw. Uh, when I did draw, there was a disaster or the fish. When I drew what, what is normally a good peg, the fish wouldn't be in that section and, and the section would be one with five pound and it'd be 30 pound winning it up the road. And, and so I never, I never drew the prom. I, I never really got on with it. I mean, I'll give you one example. I drew um, downstream of the, of the town bridge one day uh, opposite the canal works and there was this big barge opposite. I thought, yeah. this is kind of good. I'm going to go get some fish here today. I think Golden Curl might have been next to me, actually. Anyway, I went in on the bread and it was as snaggy as anything. And, and I'd been pinging a few big maggots across, which was the way. And I quite like that. So I've, I've gone across and I've started to catch those three, four, five ounce roach, like the proper dumpy ones, yeah. straight away. I thought, this is good. Blokes walked up on the far bank, walked onto the barge, put his box down dead opposite me and started fishing. <laughs> so, yeah. Because so, no. it's only yeah. like nine metres wide. I thought, oh, well, that's oh, all right. Yeah, so very narrow. I've, I've put another two joints on, three joints on, and gone down the end of the barge, and I've started catching there. I thought, that's good. He's not going to affect me. He's, he's going to catch. He moved down to where I was catching. So I put my gear away and went home. Um, <laughs> yeah, the next it. time I went, yeah. I drew the health centre. I had £2.11, yeah. uh, mostly rud, fishing behind the reeds on the far bank. Um, mm. Nobody else topped a pound. Um, there was only 10 pegs there. Nobody else topped a pound. So I thought, that's good. At least I've won my section. When I got back, because there were only nine anglers on my section, the first peg on the allotments was in. And he was last on that section with £4.11 and took my tenner. So I thought, that's the sign. I'm not welcome at March. I'm never going to go there again. And I never did. And, of course, Darren Davis, who was my big mate, was travelling with all the time. He used to love the place, and, and he always did well there and, and, and had a fantastic yeah. record there. So so March wasn't good to me, but it's good to you. Oh, unbelievable. I've had some fish there. And it's got better and better over the years. When I first started fishing on the drains there, 7 to 12 pounds were brilliant weights. I remember winning the match with 7.15. And Bob Fitzjohn weighed them in a bucket then. That's how things have changed. Um, and now I can think of a match last year, which was the first practice to our Winter League. Stan Binge, who sponsored by uh, at Stan J Tackle at God Manchester, had £32 and he was last in nine pegs. <laughs> and Stevie Winters, well, it was £60 exactly as skimmers and roach up wow. to a pound. And the match there, well, I was, so I was up Scotland this weekend, but the match there on Sunday, 
Um, 42 pounder roach won it on the whip, Ray Malley. The guy next to him had 19 pound, and then the other side of that guy was Colin Oakman, who was on like an MPEG, had 32 pounds of skimmers and was second. And I spoke to Tony Watling, my travelling partner. He had 29 pounder roach. He said, Polly, if you was if you'd been on that peg today, you'd be weighing in next Sunday. You'd have caught that many fish. He said, I've never been on a peg with so many fishing. If you put castor on, he got a bite every pudding. Hemp, a bite every pudding. Pinky, squat, same size fish, just wherever he went, there were fish. When, when you think about it and, and you think about the current trend that um, is going around where predators are highly detested, there are millions of predators on those fen drains. You've, you've got Xander, you've got yeah. pike, you've got perch. And cormorants, cormorants. Got <laughs> yeah. why are the why yeah. are there so many fish there? Do you think? I know they that they they probably migrate there during the winter, don't they? Because in the summer fishing is different. Now, as far as I'm aware, you get big perch, tension bring. Well, I with me coaching, I've taken guys there from July through August into September, the warmer months. It's very weedy, but there's so many fish there. It's, it just stays full of fish. Really? I think it's safe. You don't get cormorants in the town. You get them on the bypass, but you don't get them anywhere further down, hmm. even right down to the, to the coal yard that's not in now. I've never seen cormorants along that bit there because there's so many houses either side. Yeah. Uh, Neem Parade that you always wanted to draw, that's not in now. The nearest you'll get to it is Pig Market Corner. There's five or six books there. And you've got uh, the grassy bank, which is opposite Neem Parade. They have about seven pegs in there. Hmm. Um, but the, the Neem Parade itself is not pegged, and it must be full of fish. But the houses are taken on ownership of the land down to the uh, the river bank. Oh, yeah. Um, so you just you could probably get two pegs in along there, which wouldn't be fair, so Bob doesn't peg it. Yeah. Uh, but we had um, the Winter League there last year, and they were just 20 pounds all the way through it. Incredible. Catch £20 at March, go back six years ago, you'd win every match. Yeah. Not now. You need £20 just to perhaps win your section. It's amazing. You know, there's lots of theories about um, why fish go into town centres uh, in winter. I mean, somebody was saying to me the other day, we were standing by the Thames, and he said, well, they go into the town because it's warmer. I said, well, hang on a minute. You've got water flowing at two and a half miles an hour. How long is that volume of water going to take to warm up? You've got to have a very, 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 very long town and a blooming big heater. And I had this discussion with Tommy Pickering donkeys years ago at a diver trade show. My my opinion is, and this is more marks on the fen drains than anywhere because it's so open and so barren on so many of them. Where you get high banks, where you get houses, where you get bridges, where you get lots of trees – the fish go there because it's not so bright. They're not so threatened. They're not threatened, especially by predators. Yeah. So my opinion that. is that that's why the fish go there. You've got places like Spalding. You've got the Glen, Pinchbeck, oh. those sort of places, Factory Bank. All, and, and they're all stuffed solid with fish. Oh, that you just said that the, the town um, Welland at Spalding was unbelievable this year, back in January, February. I went up there, first two matches. I was second both time, beat by two MPEGs. I've had 42 pound and 40 pound and a few ounces. <laughs> second in both matches of Roach. 
Goodness me. Incredible. Now, you, you go back 30 years, and, and, and when I was a rep, um, Mansfield Angling was one of my calls, and the wholesalers upstairs, Wovencrest, and, of course, John Dean managed the shop, yeah. and Colin Perry managed the wholesalers. And, and I used to talk to John, who, who by then had packed up his match fishing. This was sort of in, in the mid-'90s. And he was fly fishing all the summer, and when Rutland oh, closed, because yeah. it used to close or it, it, it closed sort of, depending at certain times of the year, but there were no brown trout after October. And, and then the fishery itself closed sometime before Christmas. He used to go to the Wide Welland when they dropped the levels, fish the stick float there, because it used to flow, because as I say, they dropped the levels, and he'd catch clonking roach, and then they disappeared. But they were the ones, and all the smaller ones with them, that seemed to be that were migrating into the town. Do you, do you think yeah. that's the case? Yeah, yeah, definitely, Keith, because there's times they call it the Yacht Club, on the big wetland where they catch a lot of roach and then also they're not catching so many there but in the town it's solid yeah and i think they can get up the um the coronation channel as well yeah from there but me and tony that first match i went up and fished with him was coming back to the presentation at the, the pub on the outskirts and there were fish topping as far as you could see up the big wetland looking up past the yacht club and I was speaking to uh, Richard from Anglin Times, and he was saying they get some big chub, obviously, at the rock, um, yacht club there. Really? But I've never known of a chub being caught up the town well a bit that we fish, and you'd think they'd want to get up there. Well, I, I, if you, you think about similar situations, I know it, it's it's totally different um, environment, but you think of the why. Yeah. Now, the why in winter is a phenomenal fishery in certain stretches, but on the – the, the, the sort of town stretches where they get the 50, 60, 70 pounder. They see Hadrian Whittle one the other day, 52 oh. pound oblique. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where you way. get those, and I did see a big old day slaying about on top of them as well. So he's caught that on his bleak yeah. But But when you, you think about those big matches, where they get those huge weights of roach and dace, they don't catch chub. If they get a huge yeah. weight of chub, it's not where they catch the roach and dace. So they exactly. don't seem... To, to do the same kind of thing. And, and and even if you go to places like the Crown, where the roach move and migrate to little areas on the lee, I'm talking about now, to little areas in the winter, the chub aren't there. The chub are where they always are. So maybe chub yeah. just, just have – because chub during the day tend to live under their own secretive little bit of cover, yeah. whereas roach are more middle-of-the-river dwellers, maybe yeah. they just don't seek the sanctuary. It's interesting no. thought, though, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe they, that's their place. They just stay there and that's that. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I mean, you recall Keith on the canal at um, oh, was it Crocs? Not Croxley Park Pound. Oh yeah, uh, and I think it was February time. There was a guy. I don't think it was a great angler. No disrespect to him, but he caught was it ninety eight pound to chub. Yeah, they're all shoaled up. Yeah. but that was the peg for yeah. chub anyway. But it just all chub must just congregate there. Why? I remember Andy Love one, once won a big match at Lady Capel's on the outflow. I never knew it fished another time. You know the bit where it goes in yes. where the gauge runs out before you get yeah. to the bent double bend where Gudgeon Alley is. Yeah. He, he had a big weight of chub there. And, and I drew that peg once and I thought, oh, I'm going to empty it. If Andy Love can catch him, I can catch him. Yeah. And, and they just weren't there. Yeah, incredible. Got a couple. Why, but not... why shoal up there for that, just that certain time? Yeah. yeah. Whether it is to spawn or – because they say well, chub is fish... January, February, do they? Fish, fish have only got two thoughts on their mind, isn't it? It's feeding them, and let's call it procreation for the sake of decency. Um, but but that's all fish exist for, isn't it? They they exist yeah. to reproduce more fish, so yeah. they've got to feed to do that. So they're eat, they're eating or doing the other thing, and and and, and that's I, I would imagine that and, and security 
is the other yeah. thing. But maybe those roach, it's very early for roach to gather in this time of the year or even yeah. after Christmas because the, the Avon Roach Project have told us that the average spawning time for roach is the middle of April, bang, smack in the middle of the closed season. And and, yeah. and on the Avon, they've got a very narrow window of spawning that's that's controlled a bit by the weather. But the most common day for roach to spawn on a Hampshire Avon is April the 25th, which happens to be my wedding anniversary, which is handy <laughs> because the roach spawn reminds me I've got to buy a bunch of flowers. <laughs> very good, very good. That's not really true. Um, you, sorry, Mrs., if you're listening. Um, you, you've spoken about canals. You've spoken about the fen drains and everything. You, you did mention Loch Ken, and you mentioned it in relation to Ireland. Now, yes. of all the anglers I've known, and, and the anglers – that I've known catch lots and lots of fish, and I've known a few over the years, one of the least likely, based on my um, observation of their fishing on, on their normal environment, you would be one of the least likely people to do well in Ireland. Yeah. But the opposite is true. You're, you're a genius out there. How does, how does that work? Somebody who, who's, who's made his, his living catching ounce roach goes yeah. out and suddenly has got to catch 70, 80, 90, 100 pounds of, of, of much bigger fish. Well, um, I think the way I feed, I attract fish. My feeding, the regularity of how I feed. Um, and I can do a bit of everything where I can feed a fish, I can pole fish, I can fish a waggler. And I'll give you an instance. The first year I went to Ireland, I drew Grassy Point, Kiladees, Peg 4, which you'll catch a few hybrids. Anyway, Tony, I was putting my stuff on the boat. Tony goes, why don't you lighten your gear? You, you won't want to pull where you're going. I said, oh, well, I'm on peg four. Like, yeah, no, it's just feed it. No, you won't want to pull. So I took my pole. I caught 12 kilo of hybrids on the feeder, fed a pole line, and caught 13 kilo of roach on the pole. <laughs> Tony goes, I can't believe it. I want No one set a pole up there. And I think going there blind – and fishing how I do, because I've caught pole, feeder, waggler, all on one peg, sometimes pole and feeder, sometimes waggler and feeder. I remember going on Inish Fulvar Island, and it's uh, ball and bomb. Well, I don't fish that. So I fish a feeder two distances, 25 metres for roach and 50 metres for hybrids. But then I'm loose feeding casters because I thought you might catch these roach on the waggler. 21 kilo roach later on the waggler. <laughs> Next to Nicky Seddon, who's fishing ball and bomb. He said, you won't be that ball and bomb. He weighed 11 kilo. He's too busy looking what he was doing. When I pulled my net out, he went, you beat me there. <laughs> Put on 21 kilo. It's just because not knowing and just doing what I do, or what I think's right and just doing different things, just working, just... Yeah. The plummet, will get, yeah. the plummet always gives you a clue as well, doesn't it? Well, yeah, definitely. You you, um, you just see people um, fishing the same all the time. Just now it's feeder, feeder, feeder. And they're casting past the fish. Yeah. You know, it's, it's Ireland's... When I was first went there, I thought, is it, is it six to eight grand floats? And it's just the same sort of size floats we fish over in, in England. Um, and I'm just scaling down a bit more and getting more bites probably. 
mm-hmm. and regularly feeding and feeding two lines do something a bit different yeah, so, it, yeah. It's, it, it is i mean I've, I've, I've i only went to ireland for two years and and um the sea link bomb put paid to paid to my um oh, my visits for quite terrible. a long time and and yes. by the time I decided I was ready and able to go back. The fishing had changed so much that uh, that it, it, it no longer featured on my radar. It was almost fishing not as well as here, you know, in, in, in some cases. That's still the case now, but it's still a fantastic circuit. And, and, and the couple of years I did spend out there, I absolutely loved it. So, so you've, got, you've been through the evolution process. You've been through the, the catching squats on, squat fish on the canal, um, then you've been to the commercials, and and you let's face it, you're successful on commercial fisheries too, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I like commercial fishery, but I couldn't do it all the time. Mm. Um, not that I find it uh, boring, but it, sometimes when it's big weights, a carp, it, it becomes like crash bang wallaby. It's I don't enjoy it as much if you're looking at two to four hundred pound weights. Whereas when you're working for your fish more, I get a better kick out of that. Yeah, I, I, I find it, I find it easy catching carp when yeah. it when it's bigger weights and no skill. Whereas I, I like the little bit of skill in the fishing. Well, it's a like, different come, set of skills, isn't it? Let's be fair. It's, oh, you know, definitely. definitely. Being, being strong in the arm is um, yeah. is is not quite as effective for me as being strong in the head. I I, I like to think about my fishing and, and what I'm going to do. And you, and you do have to do that. I mean, to catch yeah. – it, it's a bit, bit being disrespectful of people that have made their, their living from – their fishing living from catching 200, 300-pound bags oh, of fish. Yeah, yeah. It's being disrespectful to them, and I, I've no intention to be disrespectful to any angler because they do what they want to do oh. within their context. Our sport is about enjoying it. And, but, you know, it, it, was, it was equally the case. I mean, I, I, I quite enjoyed for a time – um, when I was going to Gold Valley regularly, I quite in- enjoyed my time there in the winter when you didn't feed anything. Yeah. You know, when, when yeah. if you fed anything, you wouldn't catch. And, and it, was, it was just bizarre. And what I had to do there, because you know, like you, I'm, I'm a great believer in, in feeding is the thing that, that, that matters. If you get your yeah. feeding right, you're going to catch fish. If you don't get your feeding right, you ain't going to. And, and when you, yeah. you're not feeding anything, it's difficult to get anything different. So what I had to do there was was find a technique that would get me more bites or give me more indication of when the fish were there so I could catch all, catch a couple more of them. But this isn't about me. It's about you. Um, so you, you've but, been through this evolution. You've been to Ireland. You've, you've been the Fen drains. Out of all of them, if, if, you, if you could only do one thing and you had to get every other bit of tackle out your tackle box except for one type of fishing, what would you do? Oh, okay, that's a hard one. That is um, two things I I love flicking a little waggler because I was brought up doing that on the canals. So flicking a little waggler on the drains is nice. Long pole, short lining, I like that. Whip fishing to hand, that's good. I love feeder fishing, especially in Ireland. Come back from lockdown, <laughs> I love that. I, I, I to say one. It'd be very hard. It, it, that's probably why I love fishing so much and have never stopped and just keep going and keep learning all the time. Um, I love punch fishing, but you can't compete now on the drains with just punch because pink is taken over. Squat fishing's better as well. Punch fishing hasn't been as good the last four or five years, but it still has its days. 
It's slow I mean, as well, isn't it? You, know, yeah, you, you listen to this, okay. Th- three years ago, I won a match at March, a winter league. I drew on the, um, oh, they put the, the gully on um, Grassy Bank, opposite Neen Parade. And I've had £38.12 or 14 a roach. I think I had 600 odd fish. And I remember catching 12 roach and a couple of pommies, which are silver bream, on the same piece of punch. It didn't come off the hook. So I was counting, seeing what the most I could get on one uh, one piece of punch. Yeah. And I tried thinking it wasn't the same, but that was fantastic fishing. Unbelievable. You must steam and roll your bread. Yes, in the microwave, five seconds, and then roll it because it it, it, it keeps its pellet. Yeah. Like it keeps its shape. It doesn't really fluff up and so it will come, up, come off, especially for shipping out. If you do that, it won't come off when you should be like, oh, your punch is no keeps coming off. It's the yeah. best way, best way. Yeah, when, when you're fishing short line, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I I, yeah. I, I really used to enjoy my three and four metres of hand fishing on the canals, fishing with a little, uh, again, a little pheasant quill, inverted yeah. pheasant quill, or a, a, a crow quill if it was really running, a couple of number fours, locking it three number tens down. Yeah. And, and I wanted my punch to fluff up as quickly as possible. So I used a relatively deep punch um, and, and it went on the hook. And, and if you could get two casts out of it, you always, if you didn't catch one on the first cast, you always caught one on the second cast. But then we were fishing maybe, if you caught five pound, you were probably going to win. Yeah. yeah. You got 50 roach, you were going to win. And, and it, you know, on, on the bits around the West London bits at Southall, Northolt, Perivale, and, and then, then the chop worm came and, and everybody discovered bream and you were wasting your time fishing for roach. And then the squat came and that caught everything. And I, I took my ball and went home. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about that last question, what do I oh, yeah. most enjoy? I would say the most enjoyable is this, sitting in Northern Ireland, on Loch Ern, out in the water, chucking a feeder, 45, 50 yards, a big bunch of floating maggots, catching a two-pound hybrid each chuck. And the views you're looking at there, sitting there, I don't think you can beat that. That is incredible. That is, that is just heaven. Yeah. That. But obviously, in a match, that doesn't happen every time. But nice <laughs> if it did. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never really, when I was going, it was more, it was, it was much cruder tactics. You know, I'm, t- I'm talking about the, the early 80s and mid 80s. It was more sort of long pole to hand or a really big waggler and, and catapulting out balls of ground bait. There were places where, you know, when, when they bought Ely Lodge in and then Ely Forest Lodge, then the feeder came into play a bit there, sometimes yeah. at Trory. But I never drew Trory on a match. Um, yeah. Killy Evelyn, I had to fish the feeder on one or two occasions and drew the ultimate snag pit and did nothing but donate feeders to the, yeah, to the urn yeah. cause all day. Um <laughs> But it, it was very different then. But I, I had one. We, we were on our way home, and we left early. And, and uh, I was with um, Peter Will and uh, John Larriman, and yeah. we decided to stop at Trory. And we went down and fished the first peg off the pegs. So it would have been peg yeah. thirty-one, I think. There might have been thirty. It might have been twenty-nine pegs, and then we fished the one off the end. 
And we stood next to each other, sharing a bait, a a big um, maggot tray full of ground bait in the middle and fishing nine metres to hand. And every throw, every drop in, we caught a hybrid. They weren't two pound then. They were probably 12 ounces to a pound and a quarter. But every throw, we caught a hybrid. And we put the gear away and, and got back in our respective vans and drove home. And my van stunk Dunk. the whole way home, the whole way. But that, 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 you know, I, I can understand you not wanting to, to leave. I mean, my, my first trip to Ireland, my first match fishing trip to Ireland was unbelievable. If I told you the number of fish I caught, you wouldn't believe me. But, but that, was, that was then. So uh, outside of, of your actual fishing, you've worked in the tackle trade now for, for a long time, haven't you? Well, I've been involved in the tackle trade since I was probably – 24 so that's five years that's yeah. 30 33 years wow yeah yeah long and time. it start, started with image and 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 now you're still with fox matrix aren't you yeah i'm a pay consultant with matrix the match brand i've got my own range of ground baits as a pay consultant with hinders baits and i've Who's got bait? my Hinders baits. Oh yeah, of course. I've, I remember. I remember seeing that when it came out. Yeah, it, very good bait company. Hinders. They, they, Incredible. They, Over they thirty years, going, yeah. Stuff for years. Yeah. Incredible. Um, I've got my own coaching. www.markpollardfishingdays.com. Yeah. Uh, that's been. I've never been so busy. It's been incredible. Oh, no. So many people coming back into fishing. It's fantastic yeah. for the sport. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and and I think those those returners. I think they're all going to stay. I was going to say, everyone that I've taken out on the coaching days, and I've met some fantastic people loving the fishing, and guys that haven't been fishing for 20, 30 years are just like, why haven't I, why, why did I stop? A lot of people with work and other things that have come along, different, I mean, people, like I say about um, the youngsters playing games in the bedrooms and that, even the older ones play the games as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just, you can't beat being out with nature, outdoors, on a sport, fresh air, and they're enjoying it and saying, yeah. why didn't I do it before? Which is fantastic. So well, if we say a small percentage of them carry on going, but I think, like you've said, most of them will carry on, carry on fishing. The returners, I'm certain. And, and, and if you go back to very early on in the piece, when I spoke about how we lost our canal fishing, basically Sunday trading, those people probably packed up then because coinciding with Sunday trading, most people in those days fished on rivers and the river fishing got shocking, shocking in the mid-1990s. I mean, I live, if I I turn my head around so you can't hear me because I'm looking away from the mic, I can see the trees on the bank of the semi-tidal Thames. And like that went from needing 25, 30 pounds to win in the winter to being on sections where you couldn't get a bite. And in yeah. the summer, five or six pound would be a good weight. And, yeah. and all those places now are bursting, absolutely bursting with fish. And now they've come back, they, they realise that fishing is, is different. It's advanced. Oh. It's better. The tackle's better. The tackle's cheaper. Fishing's more expensive. The bait's more expensive. But, but tackle yeah. is a fraction of what it was. Good quality tackle is a oh. fraction of what it was yeah. when, when, when they probably quit. And all right, they, you don't have to spend thirteen hundred quid on a, on a reef seat box, but oh, yeah. some people want to, and they do. Yeah, but yeah. really good quality kit now you can get for virtually pennies and eightness. I so say what you said there about about the, the rivers. 
Um, I fish Willington on the U. Steve Jacklett runs uh, some open matches as like for a qualifier to a final, winner take all type thing um, on Sundays. And going back until this year, this season, he got 30 anglers there on one match, but it's sort of 15 to 20. Every match on a Sunday that's been down at Willington has been 30 anglers. It's been incredible, sold out, because that's as many they can fit in down there. The fishing's been fantastic as well. I fished a match on the ooze at Newport. That was 76 anglers sold out. I fished another, like a big money match on there. That was 58 anglers sold out. What pegs they did. Just incredible. Where last year you'd have had... 15, 20 anglers, yeah. more anglers back on the rivers and so much more fish being caught. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And, and, and that's, that's the reason I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm absolutely sure. You, you're responsible for, for designing a fair bit of tackle for Fox and Matrix, aren't you? And, and, and yes. yeah. you, you must have noticed the accessibility, mostly thanks to the far East and, and oh. the quality since you first started. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm well, we used to of... say crap from China, didn't we? we yeah. used to, now you get quality from China. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is. You get some, well, the, the, the tackle industry, it, it's just unbelievable what is available to anglers. And if we said quality gear at a very low price, it is. Yeah. It, it is, is remarkable. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like, as well as being a, a very good angler, you, you – you, you're a bit of a mimic of old Bob, aren't you? You 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 sometimes play little pranks with um, Bob Nudd sound alike, don't you? Yeah, I sound a bit like him. But if you want me to do a Bob Nudd impression, would you like me to give you one? Well, I don't see why not. <laughs> I'll try and do a proper Bob Nudd voice. All right, Bob, how are you getting on? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, Mark. What you had? What you caught? You still catching roach? One a bung? Oh, you always do, you. <laughs> Very good. I've phoned yeah. up people. Oh, I know you have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm always. Uh, I, I, luckily now, everybody. If anybody phones me, they phone me on my mobile. And you to, to pretend you were Bob Nudge, you have to be using Bob Nudge's phone because I've got Bob Nudge's phone number in my phone. And I've got your number in my phone. And if, if Mark Pollard phones up, I know it's not going to be Bob Nudd. Uh, so, where do, you, where do you see yourself going in the future, mate? You, you, you're you're oh. loving your fishing. You, you're doing yeah. any team fishing now? Um, I fish with Stan Jays in the Winter League. In fact, not last year, year before, we come second in the AT final. and he missed winning it by, I think, four or five points. But I enjoy that through the winter because um, it's an 80-peg match every Sunday on the Fendrains. And I'm fishing with, obviously, one of my best mates, Bob. Uh, Tony Watlin, um, Andy Mead, which all old Essex County anglers. Yeah. Um, Chris Van der Fleet uh, fished with the squad last year and the year before. Um, I don't know. Just carry, I just carry on enjoying my fishing. I love going to Ireland. I've now found Loch Ken, so I might be going up there a bit. Um, fishing the rivers through the summer and just carry on. Um, I've got my own float range, Keith, pole float range and some wagglers, and I was going to stop doing them, but that gets better and better, and I enjoy going around the shops having a chat. But I only go around the shops April, May, although this year it was uh, June, July with the lockdown. Yeah. Um, I just enjoy the trade. I think it's just a, a great industry to be in. I've met some fantastic people, great friends, 
And it's a sport that until if you can't walk or you can't move your arm, you can just carry on doing. It's it's yeah. fantastic. Is, yeah. is, you, you mentioned your float range. Is, is does that they sold through you or are they part of the Fox? No, no, that's solely by myself. Um, oh, yeah. I deal with about seventy shops just up and down the country. Um, yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, Lovely. enjoy doing it. Yeah, you're you're a you're a busy old boy. Yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sadly, now we won't be um, we won't ever be drawn next to each other at Axon Lane again. And uh, oh, I'll, I'll never forget. I'll, I'll never forget that day. And and and, <laughs> and before we go, we've we've really got to to talk Tell about some of the characters <laughs> on those canals. And 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 there was this yeah. old boy, Fred the Bread. Um, yeah. that Fred, the chair. Fred the, Fred the chair. Fred the chair. chair. And and yeah. he'd, he'd come along and he'd pick someone that he fancied he'd have a few fish on the day and he'd sit with them. And I had him a few times on the old Camden Raven stretch at, yeah. by, by Caledonian Road and, and um, Camden Camden Town along there, through there, past King's Cross. And, and he'd pick me out. He's, Glenn Brown he used to like quite a bit as well. Yeah. And, and and then one day we had this open act and lane. It's hard to imagine now for people that, that use that canal as a, as a path anywhere, but the Regent's Canal, where it, where it goes through London, um, we could – there, there might be nothing on the weekend or the rivers might be out of sorts and somebody would say to me, oh, can we have a match on the canal? I'd say, all right. So I'd phone yeah. up three or four tackle shops and we'd sell 100 pegs by Tuesday. Yeah. And, and, and and that would be through the West London bit. I was working in Acton Anglin at the time. So that bit from sort of Labbrook Grove right the way up through Perryvale, Hole in the yeah. Wall, right up Orsenden Hills, North Holt, South Holt. We, we'd pick a stretch yeah. and, and they were day ticket stretches. So we could do it. If the bait have come along, we paid our, our 250 or 150, whatever. I never paid him because he never come along on any of the matches. So so we, we'd go and fish him. It was 100% payout, which some great payouts we used to get. Um, and, and this day we were at Acton Lane and, and I was a couple of pegs up from the bridge, from the road bridge, and you were next to me around a little bit of a bend. Yeah, yeah. And Fred set up between us, didn't he? That's he right. put his chair out oh, on the yeah. towpath and he set up between us and he was talking to us both and I was talking, we were having our usual laugh and you were catching a few fish and I wasn't. I wasn't having a very good day at all um, <laughs> because of my insistence on not fishing squat. So, you know. And then suddenly this bike has come hurtling round the corner swerved out to avoid your pole, then seen Fred the Bread, swerved in to avoid him, and finished up in my peg. And it was cold. It was cold, yeah. yeah. And, and he was the, the lycra clad bloke, and he didn't quite fill the lycra up like he would have delivered it <laughs> in July. <laughs> and, uh, but he never, do you remember he never said a word? No. He sort of I... clambered out of the canal, and we just sat there fishing. I, I mean, I couldn't move for laughing. And, yeah. and he got his bike out, Got back on it and pedalled off again. And Fred, the, I've never heard him laugh so much. Ah, oh, it was it was the most it was a surreal experience and something that hasn't happened. I've I've been in a couple of times and people near me have been in a couple of times, but that that was the most surreal experience. Oh. It was almost like the old. Um, Popeye days when when he'd, he'd run out of, of, of Fred Flintstone or The Simpsons, they'd run off the edge of a cliff and still their feet would still be moving before they finally dropped. And he seemed to do that. He was pedalling along and his, his pedals were still going round when, when he hit the water. Yeah, fantastic. I remember you saying, Keith, well, what was that all about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, oh, dear. Those were the days and, and great days that will never come back, but there are great days oh. in front of us, mate. Some wonderful oh. fishing experiences still to come. Definitely. And um, listen, we, we, we've had an hour's chat. It's gone like 
Yeah. You would be catching fish on a canal. It's gone in yeah. half the time it should have done. Yeah. Mate, it's been wonderful talking to you. I've oh. really enjoyed it. And, and so have I. You know, we, we don't talk to each other on the bank enough like we used yeah. to, mostly because I'm not out on the bank as much as I used to be. But, um, you know, I, I know you are. Remember me to all the lads when you see them. And, and, I will uh, do, Keith. I look forward to talking to you again soon, mate. And you. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Lovely speaking to you, Bob. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to my old mate Mark Pollard for joining me for this journey on the strange boat. Please don't forget to rate, like, follow and subscribe to the podcast and join us for our next voyage on board the strange boat. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.